Hello, Screeders. All right, so I am back, back in the saddle from taking a long drive, a long trip to Niagara Falls um, and beyond to take my daughter to Boston. Man, I had no idea like how scenic Massachusetts and Western New York were. I always had this idea of like the Seattle sprawl from Shadowrun or something on the East Coast, but it didn't really look like that until we got in to Brookline, which is a suburb of Boston, which is where we actually were. But uh, some podcasts helped me make it through the drive, and I've been trying to call into podcasts lately. Seems like there's a lot of interesting discussion going on, and I'm just refusing to update my anchor app so I can easily call people. Though, like the other Jason Connerly from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, great show. If you listen to this and not that, shame on you. I don't feel like I'm up to the par of Mr. Connerly at this point. He has surpassed me as being the community hub. Uh, Which is okay. This show isn't about being the community hub. Though I do enjoy uh, the calling interaction. And I totally feel like it's way more like I envisioned as uh, blogs than ever before. Which is totally awesome. So I would like to say um, I know a lot of things. And one of them is that I'm going to talk about some other shows. I want to talk about uh, Critical Hits and Fumbles in old school games and uh, I have some uh, some call-ins at least one on the, in defense of the latter and I think that you guys all might get a kick out of that uh, so I think we should get into it today is Tuesday September 6th 2022 I am Jason Hobbs and this is Random Screed Mr. Hobbs, it's Kevin calling in from the Red Caps podcast, just calling in to comment on location as character, and a location that I think would make a fantastic character or a character-like um, item in your game would be if the players had a stronghold or a keep that they were you know, improving, they're spending money, they're, they're adding more buildings to it or improving the buildings if it was an old ruined or something like that. Um, bringing in NPCs and retainers that are doing things like researching magical uh, spells or potions or creating weapons or even like the stable hand that's looking after the horses. Um, That whole little community that they build up and the actual keep itself can almost become a character that they can spend a lot of time and put a lot of investment into um, and then go off and adventure for a while and come back and see if it's still standing from the orcs that may have attacked it. Anyhow, just an idea for a character. All right, Kevin from the Red Caps podcast. I've interacted with Kevin quite a bit on the Twitters. Uh, I think I listened to some of your early shows, but I haven't been over there since you have returned to the Anchorites, which I don't know if we've changed our name or if we should or what. Regardless, this is fantastic. This is uh, a great idea and not one that I really thought of. I was definitely thinking more of a character as in the foil idea, not as in the character as in, you know, like a significant NPC or um, 
you know, just think about that. It's the exact same concept of uh, domain play as a character almost, which is what, as the focus of the campaign, domain play to enhance campaign play. That So as the, the domain itself is something that the characters in some sort of mini game are going to try to build up whatever the domain is. It can be a thieves guild, like you said, it could be like a small keep or a cavern set. There is a speed trap ahead. Oh, speed trap ahead, guys. Watch out. Anyway, it could uh, it could be a starship. It could be uh, a caravan. It could be a ship. There's so many concepts and ideas that totally fit that i that uh, I don't know that aesthetic or that idea. I'm saying idea a lot. Sorry, y'all. That the actual location is a character, uh, not protagonist, but tertiary character, or even secondary character, or in the idea of the Thieves' World novels, primary character. I swear to you that I think Sanctuary itself is a bigger character than all the other characters that are in it. Uh, and I've also seen that happen in maybe Kalmata, but that's an awful large character. And maybe maybe we're, we have to define character uh, better as for a location as a character. I don't know. Either way, great show, great call-in. Thanks so much, Kevin. Oh, hell, I gotta call in and defend myself. You kill, slay a thousand beastmen, but you bring one ladder on an adventure, and then that's all to talk about. In, uh, in all seriousness, um, the ladder is definitely something I wouldn't just regularly bring on an adventure i think the difference here is in that particular uh situation it wasn't a dartboard op we were we had actionable intel and it made sense and i thought it was a good idea it ended up we didn't use it like we thought we were gonna do but hell we still used it to great effect and i will uh I will forever be a proponent of the uh, appropriate usage of ladders in tabletop adventure games. Thank you, bye. All right, another first-time caller. This is already a great episode. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, I won't. <laughs> I won't necessarily uh, say this guy's name because that's what Jason Connerly does, uh, and maybe people don't want their name being shot out on all 50 people that listen to this episode but thanks so much again for calling in the idea uh, all that stuff that you said earlier dartboard op uh, you know in defense of ladders it just sounds like a good blog name or something I don't know Uh, thanks so much you're right I mean I even agreed to the ladders just because I thought it would be silent And like someone else had mentioned, you might not be able to catch on to something in in that, you know, in the gore hole. So in that situation, the ladders made a lot of sense. And also, um, defense against Colin uh, from Spike Pit Podcast. He just all wants you to fall into a spike pit, so no ladders. But uh, you don't want to be cutting down the tree within earshot of... you know, hacking down a ladder. Because if you're in there in the deadwood trying to cut down a ladder, I mean, how close can you be 
without the, I mean, it's how far does the sound travel of a cutting tree uh, to outside guards who are outside trying to listen for such things? Not a lot. We don't have a lot of space there. So now what? Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for calling in. I agree with you, and thank you so much for doing so. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what happens uh, next week or this week. Damn, I should look at the schedule again. If he is up or down, his podcast still comes round. Hobbs is in his van. Don't turn off that sad nap man. Random screed, random screed. Don't know what you get, but it's what you need. Critical hits. Well, screeders, I've tried to record this segment a few times over the past five days. It's now September 11th, and I want to talk about critical hits. So, as I've mentioned, I think uh, this idea of critical hits have been dipping around the uh, Anchorito sphere. And uh, Rob C. is the last episode that I listened to, Down in a Heap, uh, where he was talking about critical hits. I actually believe I have something to add to this conversation, so hopefully you, the screeders, friends and countrymen will alike uh, enjoy this discussion. Proper orchestral music there to uh, put the correct frame of mind of hard-hitting reporting. So, critical hits. What's wrong with them? A. If the monsters can do them, statistically they're going to happen more often than the players are going to do them because you're going to have more monster attacks than you are player attacks. Uh, this is for most game systems that I've played in. I, there's going to be some exclusions, but for most OSR or old school style games, this is going to be a fact. So that's wrong. Second, if you have critical hits, do you, how much time do you want the critical hits to take? How much swinginess do you want to add? As Rob C. so eloquently put it, it's the same on a D20, rolling a 20, for a first-level fighter as it is an eighth-level fighter. So that's a, I think that's a con. I mean, I don't think it really reflects what we're trying to reflect. Um, it's a given that we're talking about abstract versus simulation and uh, where the lines are drawn between fun and too much of a good or bad thing, I guess. If you take criticals, you're also going to take fumbles. And personally, I feel like fumbles often become a mockery or they make slapstick comedy or they just take the game in a place that makes me feel like my character, when I'm playing the game, is incompetent. Uh, And when I'm running the game, it just becomes a comedy of errors that completely removes me from the immersion, I think. Um... I mean, I've played like that before. I just don't think it's my favorite type of play. So, there you have it. There's some thoughts on critical hits. All right. Alternatively, here is a system I prefer. So, like I say, go listen to Rob C.'s podcast. It's down in a heap. It's the one on critical hits, believe it or not. 
in my opinion, I favor the version that Steve Gradzicki of Pickpocket Press has put into his LFG products. When you roll a 20, you do max damage. That's it. Yes, that it's it's a possibility of the same for a first level fighter. It is a higher level fighter, but it does like Dungeon Crawl Classics. You can add a bonus to the fighter that you know maybe I do criticals on 19 and 20 instead of just a 20. Back in the day, we used a system where if you rolled a natural 20, you rolled again, and if you um, you hit, you do double damage. And if you rolled another 20, it would be triple damage or something like that. And then you'd keep going and it could add up. Very rarely did. Uh, basically, it's just checking to see if it is the opportunity for a natural 20. So you're going to hit on that 20, but if you don't hit again, it's just for a regular hit. So it's an auto hit, basically, but no extra anything. But that adds time and effort. So this idea where you just roll a 20, you just do max damage. Boom. Easy. Now, on the flip side, the fumble, the one on the natural 20. In LFG, it's a counterattack. So whatever you've been, whatever you swung at gets an attack back. Boom. Easy. So pretty plain and simple way to do critical hits and fumbles in an interesting way, in my opinion. I like it. It's fast. It's quick. You can put in exactly what your damage is so you know what, what's happening when you do your max damage and... And then, you know, just another attack by the creature. When you add the exploits in of that system, now you have a super dynamic combat tactics, be it, be it tactical or be it theater of the mind. It really lends itself to both of those, in, in my opinion. Now, if I was going to put that in an old school game and add it on top of something else, there's a few things I would adjust, and I'm working on it. But... I just really wanted to get out there how Low Fantasy Gaming does its critical hits and fumbles because I think it is expeditious and it does what I need it to do. It's still going to miss some things, but uh, considering the amount that you're adding when you're adding, you know, like charts and who knows what all, a little easier. Anyhow, thanks to Rob C. for the topic and thanks to you guys for listening. I think I got one more thing I want to talk about. I've plastered all over the sound waves. I recently got back from a trip to Boston. Uh, it was a great trip. And one of the things I saw on the Freedom Trail was some symbology I've seen before, but this time it really it really struck me. It was a snake with the pieces of the snake being the different colonies that uh, were joined in revolution uh, versus England uh, in the Revolutionary War era and it just had the caption join or die I don't know why it really spoke to me not because I'm a huge Revolutionary War history buff Um, I'm also 
certainly not a far right leaning individual, nor am I a far left leaning individual. I probably lean farther progressive in my ideas and thoughts about how I think the perfect society would be. I'm not sure all those thoughts are always rational and maybe are, you know, a pipe dream. I don't know for sure. Um, but I did not pick that symbol as something to take a picture of and throw on my Instagram to try and denote, you know, a change or anything like that. I just really found that in the today's divisiveness that the idea of join or die is the only two options in the world today or at least in my world it seems like if you're not with me you're against me and so everyone around us are constantly just emphatically telling us join or die join or die join or die you should be doing this diet join or die you should be joining this new pound blank OSR group, join or die. Well, I think you all should be joining the gamerhood and hanging out and doing podcasts with me and playing games with me, join or die. I don't know. Maybe it's silly. My wife seems to think that it is a conservative symbology, uh, and that might be iconography that I'm supposed to be saying. I don't know. Maybe Arlen will correct me, but... I assure you guys that uh, I'm not um, doing anything weird or culty or anything unless it's my own cult, I guess. So if you've seen that and you're curious about what, I got a t-shirt. I also got a coffee mug that I plan to drink a lot of times out of during games. Um, I may, you know, get uh, a parody of the symbology maybe with the snake but instead of saying the different states it'll say different game systems on it or different podcasters or whatever you know just like a maybe it's not something that should be parodied and my humor is way off here why don't you guys let me know are you familiar with the symbology are you not i don't know i'm always curious to hear what you guys have to say appreciate you stay alive it's better to burn out than to fade away